Welcome back to GivePod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. This episode is part of our series, The R Word. And we're talking about how business leaders and business owners can prepare for the economic uncertainty we see ahead and, yes, whether there is, in fact, a recession. This is the second part of our dive into mergers and acquisitions with the help of the expert legal team at Clark Wilson LLP here in Vancouver. And today we're talking employment. Joining me for the conversation is Andrea Razzo, Partner and Chair in Employment and Labor at Clark Wilson. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Bridget. It's nice to be here. Well, mergers and acquisitions are complex, to say the least, and they're usually fairly risky. There is the operational side of bringing together business units, systems, processes, procedures, and then there's the bringing together of the people and the culture. So, Andrew, why is it then that the human resources side of it is often not prioritized as much as operations? Thanks for the question, um, Bridget. When a company is looking to uh, acquire another company, um, typically it's the assets that they're looking to buy. Um, and, and and much of it is focused on the financial aspect of it. Um, what is often forgotten is that in some cases, um, the human resources are the actual assets that the company is purchasing. Um, and often minds are not turned to um, how we will deal with these people um, until well into negotiations on the merger and acquisition. Um, It's really important that at the time that a business starts looking to buy another business or a business is looking to sell their business, that the human resources issues are front and center at the very beginning. So as you say, um, you know, people power a business so that people approach should be front and center. When should the conversations begin with the people on both sides? You know, there are obviously legal risks and there are things that cannot be said until certain uh, markers have been passed. But when do you start the conversation? Yeah, the, yeah. So that is a very tough question. Um, oftentimes, companies don't want um, employees or the general public to know that there are discussions going on. Um, so, in the early stages, the bulk of the employees, other than those that are involved in the negotiations, um, will, will likely not know what's going on. The point at time at which um, the employees need to be involved is when it looks like this transaction is going to go through, and both parties want to ensure that those individuals that are going to be kept on are given enough time um, to consider what this um, acquisition means to them and what it means to the terms and conditions of their employment. Um, And so this will often be, um, you know, at at least in, in, you know, it's all a change. It varies all the time, mm-hmm. but at least a month in advance of closing is really when we say that is the best time to reach out to your employees, tell them that this is going on, um, verbally tell them what they can expect, um, and then follow up with the necessary paperwork. Um, that really is best practice. Um, the companies that are shy to to bring this up because of fear that employees may leave um, thinking that they're going to be let go. The reality is rumors get around and employees know when something is up 
And I think it's worse to leave employees in the dark and guessing about what's going to happen rather than hearing it from management directly. And that goes, uh, I think, directly to employee engagement and the employee experience and how important it is to have the employees along on the journey at the appropriate time. Now, M&A activity, I mean, obviously looking for efficiencies on the operational side. And so that, of course, extends to the people in the business. And that often means restructuring, especially now with the kind of economic headwinds that we're all facing in the business community. So people do often lose their jobs in M&As. And, you know, how is the best way to approach that restructuring? We have heard stories of, you know, two organizations coming together and mass layoffs and, you know, being done maybe uh, without that sort of emotional intelligence that's required. But, you know, what are some best practices when knowing that you're going to have to restructure? Yeah. So in large part, it will depend whether or not you're in a unionized workplace or a non-unionized workplace. So if you're in a unionized workplace, um, you are somewhat limited in the flexibility in terms of what that restructuring looks like. Um, Obviously, one of the first things that has to be done um, is the union needs to be notified and collective agreements will set out when the unions need to be told of a change uh, to the workplace that will affect a significant um, number of employees. Um, Absent in the collective agreement, the timeline under our labor relations legislation is 60 days in advance of when that restructuring is going to take place. Um, From there, in terms of who is let go and who is kept on is very much determined by seniority under the collective agreement. So the employer generally has little flexibility in terms of who goes and who stays. Most collective agreements will say that um, layoffs uh, or or outright terminations occur um, in reverse order of seniority, and then there are bumping rights along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's very much dictated when you are in a unionized um, workplace. Gets a bit trickier when it's not unionized, though, doesn't it? It is trickier. And the one thing I do want to say about unionized workplaces is that the employer should still feel free to have communications with employees. Make sure the union knows first, but don't be shy to have those one-on-one communications with your employees. They are yours and they will have questions and you're best to answer them. In a non-unionized workplace, the employer has a lot more flexibility in terms of how it restructures. Um, So there are no seniority obligations. There aren't even any obligations in terms of merit. An employee, an employer who is in a non-unionized work environment has the right to terminate any employee at any time for any reason, unless it's in violation of a statute such as the human mm-hmm. rights, human rights. Um, yeah, legislation. And so it, it doesn't even have to be on merit. It can purely be on a cost basis. It can purely be that this employee is too expensive. And while we like their work, um, we just can't afford to keep them. And the employer has that flexibility to choose that employee, even if they are the longest serving employee, um, you know, even if they're, you know, they're in a position of, you know, of quite high, high within the organizational structure. Um, the only thing that the employer has to be mindful of is that those longer service employees who are in higher ranking positions typically tend to attract uh, more severance, more notice. Exactly. I mean, there is required severance and most employers, I think, go above what is the minimum to avoid any kind of legal complications. But 
what about those employees that could be on a, a maternity or a paternity leave or a mental health leave or a physical health leave? How do you factor those people in? And, you know, they often get forgotten about in um, mergers and acquisitions. Out of sight, out of mind sometimes. Yeah, well, exactly right. I mean, when there is an acquisition, typically, um, if the purchaser is taking on the employees, they want to meet with the employees at some point prior to the the, uh, closing of the transaction. And those on maternity leave are often forgotten about. And it's very important to remember that they are employees and they do have a special status, but they don't have a super special status. So you cannot terminate or discriminate against them because they are on site some type of leave if it's a job protected type of leave under employment standards legislation but but you do have to put your mind to um are we going to keep these individuals if we're not what is the reason we're not going to keep them if you have 99 business reasons why you're going to let that person go but one of those of your 100 reasons have something related to the fact of the leave, then you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they need to be dealt with very carefully. That doesn't mean that they cannot be terminated or restructured out. Um, they absolutely can be um, if it is for legitimate business reasons. The communications are very important and the timing of when they're given notice is really important. And that will vary on in terms of what type of leave they're on, when they're due to come back, um, if we know a a point in time of when they're going to come back. Um, So there are a lot of special considerations around that and they have to be top at mind with any merger and acquisition or restructuring. You know, you said the key word, I think, in all of this is communication, which goes back to the beginning of the conversation about when you bring employees in the loop. I mean, this is a big disruptive event for employees. I mean, let alone for the two organizations that might be merging or one being acquired, that you can't forget that more communication is best. And that is sort of the golden rule. Yeah, absolutely. And it is being very strategic from the very beginning when those communications are going to occur, how they're going to occur. And when you have two parties in play, a vendor and a purchaser, those two parties have to be on the same page. Yeah. And and sometimes um, it takes a lot of time to get them on the same page. And, and that's why a lot of you know thought has to be put into it from the very beginning. So what happens when they're not on the same page um, and we have a dispute? You know, I would think that employee rights have increased and become enhanced in recent years. So what kind of avenues are available to those folks who don't agree with their package or, you know, besides like, of course, going to an employment lawyer is always a good idea to get uh, that kind of uh, legal perspective. But are there other avenues like around mediation or things that can help in a case like this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, You know, mediation and, and the legal sphere is becoming more and more utilized. But, you know, the, one of the earlier users of mediation was, in fact, in the workplace um, through labor relations. So um, very early on, uh, when labor law, so to speak, became a thing, it was we're going to deal with our disputes Uh, and resolutions quite quickly through arbitration. But a big part of arbitration is also mediation. And oftentimes there's a med-arb, that's that's the terminology we use, where an attempt is made to mediate the dispute. Um, And so this is is not something new in the workplace. Um, And and the benefits of it is that it it really is uh, flexible and 
you can adopt it based on the needs. So if an, if an employee is terminated, if the purchaser says we don't want to take this employee on and requires the vendor to terminate the employee, um, you know, oftentimes the the employee will go to legal counsel and, and most employers are willing to talk, right? Most employers are willing mm-hmm. to say, yeah, you know, this has been, um, you know, an unexpected uh, outcome of this acquisition. The first thing we do is we look at your contract of employment and, and what does that entitle you to if the contract of employment is non-existent or is unenforceable because the termination language is not as precise as it needs to be, um, then mediation is is definitely uh, the way to go before lawsuits start, um, which neither the purchaser or the vendor want to have happen, um, you know, at, at the point mm-hmm. that they're trying to um, synergize their businesses. And make it smooth. So in your mind, Andrea, you know, what are some of the key traits of the most successful mergers and acquisitions when it comes to human resources? What are companies doing right that you can reinforce? Yeah, so so the best thing is the conversation between the purchaser and vendor early on um, so that there is an understanding between both parties um, what is going to happen to the employees. Is the purchaser going to take all of the employees on? In a unionized setting, the purchaser has to. They just basically inherit the collective agreement. And then if they want to do uh, layoffs, then they have to do that in accordance with the collective agreement. But in a non-unionized setting, the purchaser might say, we want all of the employees. We want none of the employees. We want to handpick some of the employees. So understanding that between the two parties is is the the most important thing. And that really should happen early on. Um, And then the purchaser and the the vendor should work together in terms of, this is so important, the communications. And again, we go back Mm -hmm. to communications. So there will be letters drafted by both parties. The purchaser or the vendor will be drafting letters, communications about the merger and acquisition, what will happen to the uh, employment of the employees. At the same time, the purchaser will be wanting to communicate with those employees saying, welcome aboard. Here are your new terms and conditions if they're going to change. And there are a lot of rules around that if the purchaser is coming in and changing rules. Or if it's going to be, we're not going to take you on. um, It's so much better to have that conversation early on with the employee so they understand um, that the reasons for it and all of the issues about what they're going to receive on termination can be resolved uh, fairly quickly. And so, you know, when it comes to finalizing how much money is going to be changed between the purchaser and the vendor, the amount of money they, that the vendor may have to pay to employees can be worked into that formula. Mm-hmm. Some really great advice. I know that uh, the M&A activity is uh, something that is watched very closely in times like now where there is a fair amount of economic headwinds. So really great advice today, Andrea. Thanks so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.